Dear listener, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast, the second one for season 2022. The men's season is just two days away and the women's finals is also upon us this weekend. To preview it all, joining us for the first time this season, Eli Duxon. Eli, it's a pleasure to have you back on, as always, a true... Uh, I guess the word is stalwart, a true, a true legend, a true, a true giant of the Through the Banner podcast. Eli, it's a pleasure to have you on. How have you been doing? First of all, I'm very humbled by that intro, um, but I am, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be back on. It's been, um, it's been a while and um, only because there's been no footy. So footy's back and life's good. It's um, the cricket's been pretty banal over in Pakistan so um it's it's given me something to look forward to which is which is bloody nice how good was Usman Khawaja though before we get on oh, to yeah. the footy oh goodness <laughs> me what a legend he is back onto the football though let's discuss <laughs> AFLW football it was shaping up as a massive final round and uh sure enough it was all the spots in the finals the final makeup of the top six wasn't locked in stone until the final siren of the Fremantle Gold Coast game. And now we have it, the Crows and the Demons finishing inside the top two, uh, earning two home prelim finals. And we have our two qualifying final matchups on Saturday, the Super Saturday of Sport, two AFLW finals and three AFL men's games. Oh, I'm so excited. Footy on Saturday is back in a big way. Let's get started. Qualifying final number one. 2.10 p.m. North Melbourne versus Fremantle at Arden Street Oval with the winner to play the Crows in South Australia. The Kangaroos earned the right to host this match by just 4.1%. They played earlier in the year where the Roos won by 10 points. Funnily enough, that was Fremantle's first loss of the year. That was in the middle of a five-game winning streak for North Melbourne. Both teams have been pretty average since then. Um, North did recover from a two-game skid to beat the Eagles quite comfortably, consigning West Coast to the wooden spoon, and the Dockers rebounded from that awful Melbourne loss by keeping the Suns goalless. Now, the Kangaroos are three from three at Arden Street this season, but Fremantle are really good on the road, winning three out of their four games outside of WA. Interestingly enough, uh, the statistics from earlier in the season when these two teams played each other were pretty even. Kangaroos won more disposals, more marks inside 50, more contested possessions and more hitouts. They were very close though. In terms of the season overall, Fremantle are fourth for total goals. The Kangaroos are the weakest goal scoring side playing finals this year, except for Collingwood. Non-finalists Richmond and the Bulldogs have scored more majors than the Kangaroos this season. Fremantle are also a tackling machine, leading the side for comp and total tackles. Kangaroos are middle of the road. Total marks, Kangaroos are dominant. Fremantle are top six. North use their marks to their advantage. They hold on to the ball the most, leading the comp for total disposals. Fremantle about middle of the pack. It's really difficult to split these two sides because not only is it a situation where unlike some matchups where you have one team who dominates every single category against a team who is really, really weak in every single category, you have two teams that are dominant in some areas and other areas less so dominant and they feel like they kind of balance each other out. With that being said, though, looking at who these teams have played so far, Fremantle, I think, have played harder opponents this year than North. So therefore, even though their losses have been bigger, I kind of feel a little bit lenient towards them considering who they have lost to and who they've played. And I think that they recovered enough momentum last week against the Suns to cause a bit of a boil over Fremantle to win by two goals and to progress against the Adelaide Crows. Eli, who do you have in this one? Oh, look, you said it. It's been just even all year between the two sides. So it, it is really hard to pick. And um, it's a coin toss for me. It's it's one of those games where I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. Um, and you're right. The three of are coming off a couple of solid hitouts. Um, and the time they made during the year, probably not much to go off because a lot happen, lots happened since then. Like you said, there was momentum swings either way at that point in the season. Um, so, but because you've gone for Freo, uh, for that reason, I'll go for North, I reckon, um, only for the, the home crowd factor, which like you said, it's, it's kind of been, it's kind of obsolete and ruled out with the way Freo plays on the road. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's anyone's game really. But um, on on the simple fact that you're going Freya, I'm going North. And I think they need something to cheer about, especially when it's round one for the men's. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not too confident they'll get the win on Sunday, which we'll get on. We'll touch on later, but um, yeah, North will take this one for mine then, and I'll go. I'll go less than a goal. I want to throw. Very interesting little preview of what's to come. I actually think that it will be the opposite for North Melbourne this weekend, but we'll get on to that later on. There's, there's another AFLW uh, qualifying final. It's at the Gabba, 4.10 p.m. Melbourne time, Brisbane versus Collingwood, the rematch of the 2021 prelim final epic where Brisbane won by just four points. And I remember that game vividly because one of the final shots on goal that Collingwood had in the dying stages borderline open goal square ball bounced on the line and bounced backwards and Collingwood lost like honestly Collingwood fans are you okay are you okay I feel like honestly from from the Jason Akimanis goal to the Domshi goal to the ball on the line in a prelim final bouncing backwards of all directions that a football can bounce man I feel sorry for you guys no I don't moving on though to this game I do think that Brisbane's going to win, and I'll tell you why. Oh, before I get on to that, this is a double header with the AFL men's Brisbane versus Port Adelaide round one match. Winner of this one to play the red-hot Melbourne Demons. Now, the last three games that Brisbane have played, and yeah, sure, they haven't played the, the most challenging of opponents, but still, they've won by a combined 142 points. That is massive. That is absolutely monumental. It's not just their offense. That has been strong. They nearly kicked 100 points against the Eagles. And for about a week, they held the record for the highest score in AFLW history. They restricted the high-scoring dogs who kicked four or five goals in a quarter against the Suns a few games earlier to just one goal in the second half last weekend and restricted both North and the Eagles to only four scoring shots each. Which means their offense is strong, but their defense is strong as well. The Magpies... Mixed form, they dominate against teams they should dominate, some of the weaker teams in the competition, restricted Richmond to just a goal, won by almost 40 points, but they've really struggled to beat the top teams this year. And on multiple occasions, they've been held to just one goal against the likes of North Melbourne and Brisbane. Earlier this year, Lions won by four goals. Collingwood only kicked a goal in that game. Incredibly, and this is very rare in a game of football, they won both the disposal count and the tackle count comfortably in that match, Brisbane. They lost the clearances and yet won the inside 50 count by 17. That's how strong the full ground press was, that even when Collingwood was able to clear the ball from the clearances, Brisbane just restricted them like an anaconda. Both clubs are top six for total disposals and average disposals per game. Tackles, Brisbane are fourth, Collingwood are third last indication of where they finished on the ladder, to be honest with you. Brisbane have kicked the most goals this season, 69 for the year. Collingwood have kicked 48. This is the stat, however, I think that is going to really decide it. Brisbane have scored almost 250 points more than they have conceded this year. That positive points differential is the biggest of any side this season. Collingwood have struggled to kick a score against the best teams in the comp. And though, yes, they did recover some momentum against Richmond, Richmond aren't playing finals for a reason, and that is because they aren't there yet. They aren't at the same level as, say, Brisbane. And because it's at home, and because of all the reasons I just mentioned, Brisbane will once again be too strong for Collingwood in a final. Kind of a thing that you'd be used to, eh, Collingwood supporters? <laughs> Lions by four goals. How about you, Elon? Yeah, look, it's it's hard to argue with that. And um, as anyone uh, who listens to the show regularly would know, and um, I'm the I'm the most biased person towards Brisbane. I try to be impartial, and I do uh, look. I, I do call it out when we're playing poorly um, and when things aren't going our way. But um, it, it, like it's hard, so hard to argue with you. But I would probably would have gone Brisbane anyway, um, even if I'd have gone first in the stats. Um, and not to mention as well, talking about um, key goals and finals, Anthony Rocker's goal in the 2002 grand final, that was not called a mm. goal. Um, and my dad said he was sitting behind it and he said it went straight through um, comfortably. But um, anyway, 
the past is the past. That's history. But for the future, yeah. Brisbane gets up this weekend. Um, Collingwood's just got to restrict Brisbane as much as they can to make a game of it. Um, but it's going to be a genuine squeeze. If, if they win, it's going to be a dirty, ugly battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't see that happening. Brisbane gets too much space. And as you said, double header. Hopefully a lot of fans get there earlier um, for, for the women's game. And there can be a big crowd because um, I'm expecting the men's game to be packed out um, at the uh, the Gabatois, the fortress. Um, so, yeah, Brisbane's winning this one constantly for mine as well. Um, don't really have a margin, um, but I'm hoping it's uh, beyond the four or five goal mark. I want an easy win. Cruising to the prelims. Nice, nice. You are the, well, you said you're the most biased towards Brisbane. I'm the most biased against Collingwood. So, yeah, Collingwood supporters, sorry, you weren't going to get any love from us this week. Now, I just want to ask you before we move on to the AFL men's, who's your tip for the grand final matchup and who is your tip for the premiers this season? Oh, look, it's no surprise. Um, I think Brisbane's going to make it. I believe they'll, uh, they'll get over Melbourne next week. Um, and I think it's going to be against Adelaide. Um, I would have thought if Brisbane come across Adelaide in the prelim, um, then it would have been a very tough contest, which I wouldn't have been as confident. Um, but Brisbane have only dropped two games all year, and those, that has been to Adelaide and Melbourne. Adelaide in round one, they jumped us. Um, and the Melbourne game, I believe, was only a couple points in it. So um, I'm back in Brisbane to get over Melbourne, come, against, come, come up against Adelaide, and fingers crossed we beat them. Um, but uh, you hopefully get some payback for the very first AFLW season. Um, that would be nice. <laughs> Mate, payback. You had payback on them last year. How much, yeah, how much payback do you want? It wouldn't hurt again. They've got two AFLW <laughs> flags, so um, uh, but I believe. But, uh, yeah, wouldn't yeah. mind. We'll, we'll go back to back and uh, yeah. we'll mention we're talking about the early 2000 Brisbane men's heyday. Um, <laughs> back to back to back. Hopefully, if we can get over, we can get up uh, next couple of weeks. Um, I wouldn't mind trying to set that up. So, um, yeah, hopefully a big few weeks in for, uh, for Brisbane fans. And I believe um, Craig Starchevich on the weekend, yep. um, big coaching milestone. So fantastic effort to um, to Starchevich, a fantastic coach. Obviously, premiership winning coach with the Lions. Um, and I a think- long-time champion of the women's game too. A long, mm. long time before the AFLW was formed. Mm. Um, I think... Carlton really, really, really pushed Melbourne all the way. The D's got a massive fright. And I just feel like even though Melbourne did end up winning, it's almost like when you have a team that has a phenomenal season and then the game before the finals, they slip up and they either win narrowly or they lose. um, And then you use it to recover, regroup, and then they dominate. In the finals, I just feel like, you know, you saw it time and time again in the men's game. You think Essendon in 2000 losing to the Dogs just before finals, going on to dominate the finals. You think Collingwood in 2010, round 22, lost to Hawthorne, dominated the finals. The Dogs in 2016 lost to Fremantle in the final round, who finished 16th. Honestly, I, I, I suspect and I think Melbourne's going to win just because their firepower is I think too strong for anyone to handle. I think it'll be an Adelaide versus Melbourne grand final. And I think the Crows are set up to lose their second consecutive home grand final. I don't know whether or not I believe that or more so I just want that to happen. But um yeah, no offense, Adelaide. I don't, I don't <laughs> not not a big fan of you guys. Um, but no, it should be should be an awesome grand final, whoever is playing. Now on to the AFL men's on Wednesday night football. Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs, the first Wednesday night season opener since 2000 when the Richmond Tigers defeated Melbourne by two points in a high-scoring thriller. And the first time that a grand final rematch has been played in round one of the preceding season since 2009 when the Cats got revenge on the Hawks for that upset in 08. Now, this is actually really surprising, Eli. Had a look at the stats from last year's grand final. The Dogs had more disposals than Melbourne. And they won the tackle count. So answer me this. When I can't think of it, right? When was the last time you saw a team win the disposal count and the tackle count and lose by 74 points? It wasn't pretty viewing for Dogs fans, that's for sure. 
not in that second half anyway. No. Um, but you're right. It's like the, I think Melbourne's just efficiency was just far too strong for him in, in that second half and well, halfway through the third quarter, I guess. Um, like you, you see some of the clips, I'm just winning out of the middle, getting a forward, handball, handball, goal. Um, I think Clayton Oliver was one example as well. It was just a big clear out. Um, Jack Viney, handball, Oliver, Oliver from just inside 50. And they just did that one after the other. And it was an unbelievable show of efficiency. And uh, look, I don't know. I'm hoping it doesn't happen again. I'm hoping it's a better game, probably the game that we would have hoped for in the grand final. Um, nonetheless, a lot of us were quite happy Melbourne got up. But jeez, um, oh, if, if it becomes, if it turns out that way, wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. But I'd be I'd be pretty appalled if I was a Dogs fan because you'd be hoping that they just show a bit more grunt um, and they, I mean, they got jumped essentially. Um, they, they were playing well, but then they just stopped and Melbourne just went hard and yeah, if that happens again, I'll, I'll be I'll be fuming as a Dogs fan. That's for sure. Do you think the thing that the one of the things that the Dogs has to do differently is not have Liberatore as the, as the um the sweeper across? center half back excuse me like like they did in that grand final and nothing against liver but it was a little bit like a turnstile with how easily the d's just constantly just ran their way through it it was it was breathtaking to watch and in each of those contests liver was the one standing on the defensive side of that center square and the d's just it was like a red it was like a red and blue tsunami so I wonder if that's what the dogs have to do differently. I'm curious, Eli, who are you going to go for your tip in this one? Oh, look, hopefully it's a thriller. Like I said, um, ideally it's a close game, um, especially to kick off the season. Everyone loves it. Um, loves a close game because we've been, um, I don't know, we've had the Carlton-Richmond matchup for the last few years and uh, a lot of years now and never quite... Um, Matches up well because when Carlton were playing better, Richmond weren't that good, and Richmond's obviously been dominant for the last last five or so years. Um, so uh, a lot of them were just walkovers. So I would love a close game, but I've got the D's up. I've got the D's winning by four goals. Um, if it's a if it's a close game, they might they might kick away, but um, I believe they'll control most of the game. Um, but yeah, love to see some fight from the Dogs. Hopefully they come out snarling. That would be ideal. <laughs> Um, I see what you did there because the theme song mentioned inside. I see what you did there. Um, look, I think it's going to be a great game of football. I wouldn't be surprised if it's goal for goal the entire time. And I wouldn't totally. be surprised if there's spot fires all over the ground. Um, I don't know. I just, you would think the dogs learned their lesson from, from how the D's turned it around. Um, and what I feel like a lot of people forget is that the dogs were dominant for the half an hour before that turnaround Definitely. the dogs i remember texting you after the dogs got out to a 19 point lead and bonk hit that goal and i remember saying to you d's are done and then yep. 20 minutes later i messaged you and i said oops <laughs> i meant i meant the dogs are done no yeah, um, autocorrect it just yeah, gets auto, sometimes. don't you just hate autocorrect how it does that <laughs> um look i think melbourne are gonna win it's gonna be a great game of football i wouldn't be surprised if it's close right up until the final five minutes and the d's kick away i don't think that's going to happen i think melbourne's going to win by seven points uh and it'll be a perfect start to their premiership defense i do think they'll be a better team this season than the dogs um last week in the first episode of the season i tipped melbourne to make the grand final and i tipped the dogs to um to finish um as um semi-finalists on to the now traditional round one matchup. It's Carlton versus Richmond. Eli, the Blues have not beaten the Tigers since the elimination final in 2013. They have not won a round one matchup against Richmond or anyone for that matter since 2012. And that was so long ago, Chris Yaring kicked goal of the year. That was how long ago that was. Now, I want to ask you this. Richmond, Dylan Grimes injured, missing the game. Carlton, new head coach, one of the toughest blokes to ever play the game as your head coach, promising signs against the Demons in the preseason. Is this the game where Carlton finally beats Richmond? Look, I hope so. I really do hope so. And I think just for the sake of Blues fans, like for Blues fans in general, because um, as much as we all love to hate on some of these clubs, when these clubs are doing well, it's better for footy. It's better for the, the whole competition. Um, 
but I still think I still think Richmond gets up by two or three goals. But um, Carlton will certainly be super competitive. Um, they did really well against Melbourne, but preseason. Um, look, I, I try not to read too much into it because um, in that case, doggies, uh, dogs and days should be worse than they were last year. So um, it's it's a tough sort of tough way to uh, sort of judge teams. Um, but I think Richmond looked really strong having that the three tools up forward, uh, putting Noah Bolter up there. So the inclusion of Robbie Tarrant down back has allowed that. And I think that would be pretty tough for Carlton to match up on. Um, and I think with uh, Sam Walsh missing the first part of the season, um, I think it's going to be too much for the Blues. Um, I would love a great contest and I expect a great contest, but um, I think just without Walsh, they might be a little bit overmatched. So uh, for that reason, I've got Richmond winning this one by a few goals. I've got Richmond too. Um, I mentioned Carlton promising signs against Melbourne and everyone, you know, getting all uppity about how well the Blues performed in that first half. Blues. But the thing is, is that they were in a comfortable position leading by five or six goals. And then once again, just like every single Carlton game last year, unable to play a full game of football. And I know it's just a preseason, right? It doesn't matter. You don't want anyone to get injured. You don't want anyone to get suspended. I get it, right? Why exert yourself any more than you have to? But I am not convinced that they can play full quarters of football. They were up by almost 50 points against Melbourne and they nearly lost. Richmond, the last three years or so when they've played the Blues, have not had to play four quarters of football because Carlton haven't played four quarters of footy, right? The Tigers, there's always been like a strong start from Richmond and then they've cruised the rest of the game or a strong start from Carlton and then Carlton have just switched off. Either way, I expect a similar result, which is the Tigers by about 26 points. On to Friday night football. Now, I'll admit, when I saw this matchup on the football calendar as the first Friday night game of the season, I was admittedly a little bit confused, you know, all things considered, considering that Friday night footy is normally supposed to go for teams that, you know, earned it. But nevertheless, it's going to be a great contest. Hopefully, the Saints, they've got to bounce back this season. Collingwood, brand new head coach, new attacking style in the preseason, but dealing with a lot of injuries and suspensions. Um, Because St Kilda have more to lose this season, and because they're playing at home at Marble Stadium, where they do play their best football, and because Collingwood are struggling with injuries and suspension, the, the Maynard suspension is going to hurt them quite a lot because the Saints forward line is quite dangerous. So St Kilda are dealing with their own injuries as well. I, I expect St Kilda to win, right? And it's weird because in this instance, I feel like the word expect and think are two different things entirely because you look at this matchup on paper, you look at where they were coming into this season, and you expect the Saints to win. However, I can totally see Collingwood pulling off this victory. I can absolutely do that. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I think it could. But the Saints should win by about five goals. That was a roundabout way of saying thank you to wins. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going to agree with you. And um, yeah, both teams should be better. Um, and Collingwood could totally win this game. And they could win this game by five or six goals. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I mean, maybe a little bit, but um, I could see it happening. It's, it's more, <laughs> more more my point. Um, but I think, yeah, Saints win this by three, four goals. Um, Gresham being back in the side, I'm hoping he's, he's set for a big year because, um, yeah, I think they did miss him. But, um, yeah, Saints just need to be better. Coming into last year, I think people pegging him to be challenging for top four. Uh, and then they just underperformed drastically. So, um, you're right, surprising Friday night fixture. Um, but I hope it lives up to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for Saints fans in particular, who now have the longest drought in um, terms of winning AFL premierships. Yep. How about that? Thank you to fans. Oh, <laughs> On As if the most wooden spoons wasn't enough for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Has anyone checked the, um, the cobwebs in the St. Kilda? Premiership cabinets, yet. <laughs> might need might need a bit of a dust up. Um, I need to bring the Wizard Cup back for him, maybe. Absolutely, no. Um, I do think 
I don't know in in a in a serious note. Um, I'm not sure about the rest of the season, but I expect the Saints to win this for Shane Warne. I expect him. I expect them to win it for Warney. Um, and if they don't, then they should fold because it would be a disgraceful loss. On to Saturday um, afternoon football at the MCG. Goodness gracious me, is it the AFL or is it the VFL? What about the other states I hear interstate supporters saying? It's the Cats and the Bombers. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Eli, um, can the Bombers pull off the upset here? This is going to be my blatantly big call of the round and people listening probably thinking, mate, you've already made some absolute howlers, but um, this is my one that I know is probably a little bit left to feel, but I've got the Bombers winning this point by seven goals. I think uh, the Bombers are going to come out on fire. Whoa. Um, yep, I know. I know. I'm not just saying this because this is your podcast. I'm not just saying <laughs> I've, I've gone against the Bombers so many times in front of your face. Um, I can but... back for that. He has done that on multiple occasions. <laughs> Definitely. So, um, but yeah, I think they're going to come out and win this one. Um, like no real reason, but they just play an exciting brand of footy. And um, we saw glimpses of it last year and enough to get them into the eight. Um, and I think they're just going to keep building on, uh, keep building on that. But um, they're going to overrun the cats. But let's be honest, drawing's got quality everywhere. You look at their team on paper; that they'll still be challenging, um, whether people want to write them off or not. But they're going to be a top eight side, like it or not. And could they be top four? Quite easily, I'm sure. Um, time will tell, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I think Essendon's going to come out on fire and uh, give the give the flag dons hashtag a, a, a bit of a workout um, as it got at several times uh, at several points last year. So um, yeah, look, that's my big call, Casper. Um, can you back it up or are you going to go against me? Good man. Good man. Do you know what? If the Crows, if the Crows could beat Geelong in round one last year, why not? I am tipping the Bombers. I'm not that confident to say seven goals. <laughs> um, and I'll explain why. Our forward line is looking extremely thin. With Harrison Jones missing, McDonald's and Woody probably won't play. Jake Stringer, bit touch and go. And Kale Hooker is already retired. That's like three out of your, three or four of your best attacking options gone. Now, our defense is awesome, really, really strong. And from Geelong's perspective, Tom Stewart didn't play um, in the match against Gold Coast. Uh, I think it's because his partner gave birth. I might or might be wrong about that. But if I am correct in saying that, congratulations, Tom. Wonderful news. Um, but I just wonder in terms of match fitness, whether or not he'll be right to go. Coming off that injury that ended his season early last year, not playing in the preseason, I just wonder if he's going to be fully fit and firing. And if he's not, then I reckon the Bombers have a chance. One thing Essendon have got to stop doing, and they did it a number of times against the Saints, is bombing it in long, right? I know you're called the bombers, but don't bomb it in long, right? <laughs> Especially against Geelong. Geelong, one of their strengths is, is intercept marking, right? Just got to kick it along the ground, create chaos balls, right? Geelong are slower, they're older. We can beat them for pace. And I think we are going to do that. It's going to be an epic contest. I'm tipping the Bombers by eight points and we'll finally win a close one. Um, and then, yeah, maybe people will take us seriously. Uh, if we beat Geelong by seven goals, I might start believing that Mick Malthouse might not be uh, might not be crazy after all for tipping us to win the Premiership. On to the Swans and Giants finally leaving Victoria this season. It's a, a, a rematch of last year's epic elimination final down in Tasmania, where thanks to the Swans' inaccuracy and some Toby Green heroics, the Giants narrowly defeated Sydney in one of the games of the year. Now, this one, Toby Green out, first five games of the uh, first five games of the season for uh, stupidity. The Legend, that is Buddy Franklin, only five goals away from 1,000. Could be the last player to ever do it. And for some reason, they put this game at ANZ Stadium, but that's besides the point. No, no, do you know what? I'm going to bring it. Why are they playing this at ANZ? Why are they playing this at our core stadium? It's not, a, it's not a footy ground. Play this at the, play this at Giant Stadium or at the SCG. 
I don't understand why they're putting it. I assume that it's because they want a massive crowd there. I don't know if you're going to get 60,000 people because, you know, yeah, Sydney likes its footy, but for crying out loud, it's not, it's, I don't know if you get 60,000 people showing up for a home and away season game, especially when it's the first game of the season so far away from finals. I don't know. Rant over. Um, Toby Green missing. And because it's such a big potential event with Buddy Franklin potentially reaching a thousand goals and the Swans will come out breathing fire. I don't know if I'm saying this because I think this is going to happen or more so I want this to happen, but I think the Swans are going to win and going to win by about 22 points. Imagine this though. Best thing, I, I, what I actually hope will happen is that it will be Giants leading in the dying stages, 10 seconds to go, up against the boundary line, 50 meters out, Buddy takes the mark, siren goes, he's on 999 goals, and he kicks his thousandth after the siren to win the game for the Swans. That would be awesome, especially against a team that he almost joined back in 2013. Um, how about you, Eli? Can the Swans get revenge? Yeah, I'm going the Swans, yeah. Um, it's, again, a bit of a coin toss. Like you said, GWS got the better from the back end last year. Um, and they were a bit hampered by injury last year, GWS, at, at times. Um, but so through that, they're able to sort of blood some young players. Um, and if they can hopefully retain some of the players, the, the senior players that um, will hopefully run out with them every week, that will be, it'll be a tough, tough ask to beat them. But yeah, no Toby Green. Um, I, th- I think Sydney will just keep building on what they did last year. Um, and I think they'll be better um, just in general, having that season under their belts. Um, and they should be having a real crack at the top four this year. Um, like, should they expect to just like slot in there? Nah, it's going to be a tough competition. There's the top eight to 12, hopefully, uh, are going to give every sort of teams every week a run for their money. Uh, but Sydney, I believe, should be able to win this one. Um, margin, yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree with that. Um, but I wouldn't mind a very, very tight game um, and hopefully keep building on that rivalry. Um, with both clubs being better um, again this season. If um, I spoke about it last year, if, like with Gold Coast, when they're showing signs of improvement, it's good for footy in Queensland if, if they improve. Build a rivalry, you know, like West Coast and Fremantle have, um, regardless of whether the teams are good, just get that rivalry first, get the foundations for it. Um, and Sydney GWS, GWS doesn't quite have the fan base for it yet, but they've been building. They've certainly been building. So I'm hoping it is a good game to build that, uh, to build that rivalry even further. Um, and as for Buddy's thousand, um, I'd love for him, I'd love to see him get him. But if he could hold out to round three, where he plays at Marvel Stadium, um, I'll be doing my best um, to get to that game and be present, and um, almost certainly be running on the field. Um, Fine, be damned. Fine, <laughs> be damned. Imagine if he does it in round three at the same ground where he kicked 100 goals against Calvin. Yeah. Quite possibly the last 100-goal hole that we'll ever see. Oh, for sure. For at sure. the same ground, possibly the last 1,000-goal career that we'll ever see. Um, on to Brisbane versus Port Adelaide. Now, I know that you can't see this because you're listening to this, dear listener, but Eli can account. I have turned my desk lamp on um, for the sake of this uh, for the sake of this um, little bit that I'm going to do here. Imagine that this lamp here is Port Adelaide's premiership hopes this season, right? It's pretty, it's pretty dim, right? Admittedly, it's pretty dim. Now, I do think that they'll challenge for the finals. However, when it comes to round one, the Lions are going to come into the Gabba and switch the power off. The Lions are going to win. Now, this is interesting, right? This is actually really interesting. The power, I think, haven't lost a round one game since 2015 which is a pretty incredible record. However, considering some of the teams that they have played, no disrespect to those teams in round one of those years, not super challenging opposition. They played the Suns in 2020. They played the Dockers a few times. They played in 2016, St. Kilda. No offense to those teams, but not exactly the most challenging of oppositions. They are coming up against a premiership contender in the Brisbane Lions. And last year, the Lions played the Swans at the Gabba. I don't know if they were expecting to win, considering the Swans were 16th heading into the season, but they got jumped. They are now playing against a team that made the prelim finals last year. If they underestimated the Swans, there's no way in the nine hells are they going to underestimate Port Adelaide. I think it's going to be close. 
I think, you know what? I'm making a big call here. This is the most important game between these two teams in 17 and a half years since the 04 grand final. And I think the Lions are going to come out and going to come out on top, hand Port Adelaide their first round one loss since 2015, just because the power are really thin in the midfield. They're a couple of injuries away from completely falling apart like a house of cards. And the Lions, I think this year are going to win the premiership. And so I expect Brisbane to win. They're impossible to beat at the Gabba, borderline, unless you're the Swans. And not, or unless they're playing them in finals. I'm sorry. Oh. It had to, I'm sorry. It had to be. No, no I knew that was coming. That's fine. <laughs> Brisbane by 15 points. Yeah, look, you mentioned the Sydney game, and I've got a mate's party who forced me to miss last year's round one loss um, to Sydney, and I'm hoping um, he's having another party um, this Saturday night. Uh, this Saturday, yeah, bloody hell, this Saturday night. Um, and I'm hoping it doesn't happen again. But that being said, we've got some firepower back, not just from our game against the Doggies where um, Zorko and Gardner missed um, and Cam Rainer missed as well, but um, Rainer being one of them, but Noah Answorth too. Those are pretty much two brand new recruits who uh, missed all of last season um, through injury. Um, and everyone at the Lions have, have been talking them up. And Noah Answorth recently signed, I believe, until 2024 with uh, Nikai Cockatoo or 2023. One of them was one of the other. Um, so we pretty much got two new recruits. We obviously don't have Hipwood, but we're ready for that. Um, I think Darcy Fort might play in place of. Um, Hip wouldn't be a sort of a ruck rotating onto the bench. Um, he played a bit of forward last week, but um, it, didn't, it looked a bit out of place. So I expect McInerney to play bulk of the time up forward between those two. Um, and historically, we've outmatched um, power with our height. And I think with uh, McStay looking a lot more confident um, and Danaher down there as well as uh, Rayner, who is an awkward matchup. Um, when he's playing forward, he they, they keep talking about him playing more midfield, but um, he's six two and ninety ish kilos and can run and jump with the ball. Um, got good agility, yeah, super explosive. Um, so I think Port's tall stocks down back, being Leah Leah um, and Nick Jonas, uh, Tom Nick Jonas, Nick Tom Jonas rather. Sorry, my girlfriend has been. Um, that's a bit of influence there. Yeah. Oh, it happens. I'm sure he's copped it. Um, but he's not the tallest guy ever, Tom Jonas. He's a, he's a big guy, great defender. Um, but in terms of height, Danaher's at the two meter mark. Um, Fort and McInerney are 204 and 206. Um, and Mixtay probably take Cleary, I imagine. But beyond that, they're not super tall down back. So. Um, I think we'll wear match them there. And I think we'll match them around the ground. Like you said, the midfield and midfield depth is just so extensive this year. Um, we've probably got probably got eight guys that could run through there and will run through there, possibly a 10 or 11. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty confident in that regard. Um, but I'm, I think what the what Port do have going for them is the inclusion of Jeremy Finlayson, another tall up forward for us to match up on, who um, I think we'll have Andrews Gardner, and Marcus Adams down there, but um, I, I'm not too concerned in that regard. Um, Sarsovic can play a bit taller if he needs if he needs be, but he'll uh, no doubt probably take a um, smaller Butters, Rosie, or Georgiades. Um, Georgiades isn't small, but, um, but one of those kind of players. So, um, yeah, I think we generally match them. Um, and being at the Gabba, like you said, the, the fortress, um, I think that may prove to be our biggest sell, but yeah, I'd love a, I'd love a great game. I'd love a great game, but I'm very uh, optimistic. And I think justifiably so with Brisbane this year. Mate, just got a couple of jokes before we move on. You might have to, number one, you might have to uh, find an excuse to miss that party on Saturday night. <laughs> might have to, might have to, you know, might have to, I don't know, <laughs> come up with something like, oh, I've got to, no, I've got to work early tomorrow morning or something. <laughs> just find some reason to stay home. And uh, man, just thinking of you, you say Nick Jonas instead of um Tom Jonas, got me thinking of um back when um back when uh Mark Williams in the press conference before the four decider said that he was uh, jealous of uh, Lee Matthews and all the all the success that you had in the three grand finals previous. Just thinking of that Nick Jonas song, I still get jealous. Mm. So you can see why the fact that I'm uh, definitely not. A singer, and I apologize by the way if any broken glass uh, 
or any glass was broken by that dear listener. I do apologize for that. Dog's barking. Yeah, apologize about that. Um, On to Sunday afternoon football at the MCG. Now, You've you've come up with a couple of big calls. Uh, Sunday, I think it's chock-a-block full of big calls for me. On to the first game, though. Sam Mitchell's first game as coach, and it's a uh, rematch of the three grand finals all the way back in the 70s where these two teams played each other. And, uh, wow, my, oh, my, how the mighty have fallen in regards to the Hawks and the Kangaroos. Well, they fell last season. Only way to go is up, really. Eli? What who do you think is going to win this one? First the Hawks. Game, new coach. Yep. I've got the Hawks winning this one still. Um, I think the, the biggest um, positive is for the Hawks, they've had Sam Mitchell all preseason and they were ready for him at the back end of last year. So it's not a massive shock as if a sort of coach was taken over halfway. And Sam Mitchell, having done work with Box Hill, um, he's probably got good relationships already with some of the players in the AFL system. Um, and just being a Hawthorne legend, um, I've got no doubt he'd be able to mend those, not mend, uh, build those relationships quite easily. And, and Will Schofield from, from West Coast, he, he pretty much says that if they didn't have uh, Sam Mitchell down there in 2018, um, they wouldn't have won that flag. So he's obviously got, he's got a great footy mind and um, look, there's no, there's no doubting his credentials. So um I don't have that. I don't see that being a problem, um, but it could be. Look, I don't know. Um, it's hard being not being within those four walls, but um, I think the biggest thing for Hawthorne is the inclusion of James Sicily. Um, love him or hate him, but he's back. Um, and look, a bit like Stuart Broad with the cricket for those uh, cricket fans listening. Um, one of those players that you hate, but he embraces it. Um, Toby Green, another one. You know, a lot of people hate him, but um, he sort of thrives off that. And I think Sicily's one of those guys. Um, so I think it's good for the competition too. If guys like that are in, um, makes it that bit more interesting. The personality to back in the game. Um, I don't like him personally. I think he's a um, look. I can't really describe it on this podcast. Um, I think we are trying to be a little family friendly, Casper. <laughs> um, although, um, look. I'd love to see him just, uh, yeah, ruffle up some feathers. I've got Hawks winning this comfortably. Um, but I think North will be, look, I hope they're better. My girlfriend's a North supporter um, and she deals with me when uh, when I get crappy after Brisbane lose. So um, I know I'm have to be dealing with that too much this year, although I think I will. They'll stiff to get Melbourne and City in the Pracky in the Community Series matches. Um, so I do think they'll be better than probably what their two performances thus far have reflected. And look, Jason Horn Francis. I'm, I'm so keen to see him finally in action. I've been watching him in the sample for the last two years. I'm um, doing the cult stuff and the uh, playing league footy last year. Um, he's going to be a superstar. There's no doubt about it. And um, I'm very keen to see how he goes early in the year. Um, no doubt he'll live up to his number one pick potential. Um, but you, um, you, you mentioned earlier that you will be opposing me for this mm. one, Casper, and you're going to have a massive rambunctious call as we're no stranger to last year. Absolutely. Good word, rambunctious. Um, yes, I am going to rambunctiously say that North Melbourne are going to win by three points in a thriller. few different reasons for that. Number one, it's a little bit of a myth in the AFL. I used to think that it was true. A little bit of a myth in the AFL that, oh, you know, but where the coach that, you know, but where the team that plays his first game under a new head coach um, whether it's a proper head coach or an interim head coach. And um, it's it's a little bit of a myth. You know, it's people often think that team, new coach, win first game all the time. And I remember last season, actually, there was um, a stat before Robert Harvey's first game as um, head coach of the Collingwood Magpies, which they lost, by the way. Um, saying, after knocking off Melbourne the week before. After knocking off Melbourne the Under week Buckley. before. Under Buckley. Under um, Buckley. Funnily enough, Side note, Collingwood fans, what was it like for you guys to finish 17th on the ladder and yet be the only team that Melbourne didn't beat? <laughs> anyway, um, there's actually, I think it's narrowly, narrowly, um, uh, it's like 52 or 55% of the games in the AFL era that a new head coach has taken over first match they've actually lost. Now, um, I'm saying this partially because I don't like Sam Mitchell. That's besides the point. North Thanks for Melbourne. anything to do with this. <laughs> Look, I'm completely unbiased in everything I say. Um, North Melbourne, <laughs> I trust their youth better. Remember that game last year down in Tasmania at the ground where Hawthorne never lose at. 
And it's the same ground where they beat Brisbane and the Western Bulldogs that comfortably. They were leading by five goals and then North Melbourne pulled the rug out from under them. This is at a ground where the Hawks' record is more iffy. The Kangaroos have a better record overall. And I just think I trust their youth better. I trust their midfield better. I trust their older players better, slightly. Um, true Sicily's back, but how much of an impact is that going to have? Um, it's going to be close. This one out of all the games so far, I think is the most I think it's a game that you can look at and really toss a coin to decide who's going to win. And for me, the coin landed on the kangaroo side, three points, North Melbourne. On to a battle between two teams missing their number one uh, forward, their number one goal scorer for 2021. Eli, it's Adelaide versus Fremantle at the Adelaide Oval. Who do you think is going to win and why? I've got Freo winning this one, but mostly like you, you talked about reliability just then. Um, I think that's probably most of the reason for this one. Um, we were talking off air that Adelaide knocked off um, Melbourne and Geelong last year. They handed Melbourne their first loss. And then you, you look at that performance and then you see one of the other performances and you're like, this is this is wild that this is the same outfit um, and not that far apart. You know, so you're not, we're not talking decades apart, which mean, you can justify. This is this is rounds apart. And I think for that reason, Freo were probably a little bit more reliable last year. Um, and they've been building. Like the last few years, they've, they've been looking really strong at certain points. They've, like, like Brisbane did, uh, as we're rebuilding, they've built their back line. They've built their defense. Um, and their back line is looking very staunch this year. Um, likes of Griffin Logue, Brennan Cox, um, Alex Pierce, and, uh, of course, the All-Australian, Luke Ryan, um, they're talking that Jordan Clark could move in there as well. So they might get a bit more excitement and dash off that, uh, off that half back line, which would be fantastic. Um, and I mean, Nafas rocking a new look. So watch out. I say, he's, uh, say what you will about it. Uh, I, for one, I'm not a fan. Um, Looks too uh, much like Guy Fieri for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rest of his body is probably his polar opposite of um, the great man Guy Fieri, though. Um, so, yeah, look, he's hoping that he's, he's, he's set for another big year um, because everyone loves watching that fight. But um, that aside, I think Freire just probably just outmatch them all over the ground. Um, but Adelaide, they've, they've still got some quality players in that team. Um, and they were happy with injury at, at points at, and at times last year. And, um like we're talking with GWS before, they've, they've been able to blood a lot, lot of young players um, who have been able to get some quality sort of games behind them. Um, so they've, they've got a bit of depth there should they need to um, turn to it. Um, and one player is going to have another big season. I'm um, not a massive call because I'm pretty sure I won their best and fairest last year. He's Ben Keys. Um, he's probably just going to go from strength to strength, uh, a D-listy of the Lions. Um, I'm quite impressed. Uh, Bias towards him. I, I did enjoy him when he was at Brisbane, but um, I think he's going to be set for a massive game, but it won't be enough. I'm afraid to take this one by five, six goals. Remember early last year when the Crows were on fire and Taylor Walker was conquering all backmen in front, like absolutely just destroying all teams' defenses. He had, I think, in those first three games, he kicked something like 16 goals or something. It was ridiculous. And we thought he was going to break the ton. Like exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the Dockers came to Adelaide and restricted the Crows to, I think, four goals. I think Taylor Walker went goalless and they won by something like 67 points. Now the Crows are coming off a terrible end to last year. Taylor Walker's missing. Granted, Fremantle also missing Matthew Taberner, their leading goal scorer with 37 majors last year, hamstring injury, probably keep him out of at least this game against the Crows. But with that being said, I do trust the Dockers to cover for their missing star forward better than the Crows at the moment. I trust Fremantle's midfield. Their midfield, even with Chera missing, it's stacked. Darcy will be one of the best Rackman in the competition if he isn't already. Truthfully, I look at Darcy and I could see him winning a Brownlow medal as a big man. Not this year, though, but sometime <laughs> in the future. That would be nice. Because of all those reasons that I just mentioned, and I think the Dockers 
I've tipped them to make finals this year and I took the Crows to win the wooden spoon. Fremantle by five goals. Now, talking about rambunctious decisions, this might be the most rambunctious of them all. The Gold Coast Suns versus the Walking Dead. I mean, the West Coast Eagles. It might as well be the Walking Dead. Definitely the Walking Wounded, that's for sure. Breaking news out of the AFL, Tim Kelly has tested positive for COVID-19, which means that he will miss the season opener. And, sorry, just looking here, Liam Ryan is again subject to the AFL's health and safety protocols and is in doubt, according to AFL's Nathan Schmuck. Maybe this isn't that big of a call after all. <laughs> Looking at those two players, probably both of them will miss. All their injured players, their last gasp reaching to put players on their reserves list. I'm tipping the Suns to win. The Suns nearly beat the Eagles last year when the Eagles injury list was pretty decent. In Perth, full 55,000 people. You'll have 30,000 people there. So have half the crowd that you normally do at a loud West Coast home game with freaking their W, uh, their, their, uh, their, their waffle team playing. If the Suns don't win, then they should fire Stuart Dew and everyone on that team immediately. This is their best opportunity to beat the Eagles in Perth that they've ever had. And I think they're going to do it. I've tipped the Suns by 16 points. And to be honest with you, I didn't read the article properly about Tim Kelly, didn't notice Liam Ryan's name. I feel like 16 points might be a bit too kind. I could see the Suns winning by five goals. That is certainly a big call. Um, and one that I'm actually not super opposed to. Um, I think um, the most surprising call out of that one might be to fire Stuart Jew. Um, and look, he's, he's, he's certainly under pressure. He is definitely under pressure. Um, but I think they're going to have to stick fat with him. No pun intended. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes these things just happen, Casper. Um, and you've got to address it. And you know what? He knows where he's at. He's a premiership player. Dual premiership player? Dual premiership player. Is that yeah. Put some respect yeah. on the name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And single-handedly. Um, single-handedly turn that. Don't turn the OA grand final on its head. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but I do I do like Stewie Jew, and I think um, he's got a great rapport with the players from all reports um, and accounts. Uh, so I think they're going to stick with him. Uh, but, yeah, look, now that you say that, Tim Kelly and Liam Ryan um, is in doubt. Um I think I might be leaning towards Gold Coast. That face value and going coming into the show, I was leaning towards West Coast, but I wasn't super convinced because I even remembered um, the technical round one or round two of the COVID interrupted season. Um, and you did a massive, you did a massive call that would have seemed very, very stupid at the time. Um, but it, it, it came off and it came off in a big way. It was a seven goal win or something, was it? It was a comfortable Absolutely. Win. It was a seven yeah. goal win. I couldn't, now I did not tip them to win by seven goals. I think I tipped them <laughs> to win by like a point. But still, nevertheless, I had yeah. the biggest grin on my face. I remember Liam, uh, it's the first ever podcast episode actually, threw the banner all the way back in the innocent days of June 2020. And, um, and I remember messaging uh, Liam, you know, saying to Liam, you know, oh, the Suns will win. And he messaged me midway through the Gold Coast West Coast game. I wasn't paying attention to who I had at all. And he said to me, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I was like, oh, what? Well, what? Is the Eagles winning by 80 points or something? No, the Suns were up by like almost 50. I couldn't believe it. So, yeah. Point is, sometimes I pull a rabbit out of the hat. Sometimes. <laughs> so, are you going with the Suns' final call? Oh. I'm going to say no, but a very hesitant no. I'm going to go West Coast by uh, a minor margin. And I think the biggest reason for that is the injury to Ben King. Um, mm. and, I, and I think it's mostly because of that. And yes, Eagles are losing Tim Kelly and likely Liam Ryan. Um, but I still think they've got enough quality out there to possibly trump Gold Coast. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to be wrong on that one. Very, very happy to be wrong with it. That's for sure. 
Come on, Gold Coast. Come on, Gold Coast. Now, um, Eli, I just want to ask you before you go, grand final matchup, who do you think is going to be in the GF? Who do you think is going to win it this year? I think this was an easy call for me to, to rationalise because um, being a Brisbane fan and us being quite good um, at, the, at the moment, uh, for the last few years especially, I'm making the most of this, Casper. We're, we're terrible for 10 years, so um, you bet I'm milking. You know what? Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, and I think with the inclusion of Answorth and Rayner um, and hopefully halfway through the season, maybe sooner, um, Eric Hipwood, who's back running and um, not quite at full contact training, but he's, he's moving around well. Um, I think when we're back at full strength, our depth is very strong now, um, especially with the inclusion of Darcy Fort, um, who when McInerney went down, we didn't look that strong in the ruck with uh, Tom Fulton. Um, having to take the reins, who is a very good uh, mobile player. But anyway, our depth, I think, is a lot better for it this year and hopefully less injury hampered in the back end like we were last year. Um, and I think our matchup um, is, it's from what we know, it's got to be Melbourne. It just has to be Melbourne at this point for me. Um, I, I've, I've got no reason to say that they won't make it um, unless there's another team that that comes up like Melbourne last year because um even even in our qualifying final matchup, I was certainly optimistic we'd win, but did I really believe it? I didn't. It was, it was one of those things, like I think I might have been on that episode here or I might have been chatting to you regardless through the week, and I, I thought we could win it. We certainly had a chance, but um, I just couldn't see anyone beating Melbourne. Um, so when the dogs were up three goals um, halfway through the third quarter, I was like, wow, someone's going to beat Melbourne. And sure enough, um, my, my gut and I think most people's guts uh, – came back to light and um, yeah, took control. So yeah, for me, long story short, I think it's Brisbane and Melbourne. Um, and again, we're not going to get a lot of games in Victoria. So um, us coming back to the the MCG, hopefully for the grand final this year, for the first time in a couple of years um, may prove difficult, but we've done it before. We won three in a row doing it. So um, hopefully it's uh, we can get over the finals who do, um, which we've only been a kick out a couple of times. Um, and and yeah get over the line but um yeah long story short that's me i like it i like it um additional breaking news from the afl nick nat Nui was one of um quoting the article here nick nat Nui was one of several eagles missing at monday's training session honestly they might have to ask Fremantle to borrow some players <laughs> at this stage at this stage Dear listener, if you want to listen to my predictions, I gave them last week. Go ahead and check last week's episode out. Thank you, Eli, for joining me. Best wishes for both the, uh, well, for Saturday. That was Super Saturday for you, that's for sure. You got a qualifying final and round one. Can't get much better than that. Um, Let's go. Oh, absolutely. Hey, just before, just before we finish up, I want to ask you, AFLW, season potentially starting in August, not giving the players a heck of a lot of warning, considering that a lot of them, you know, have jobs that they do alongside this and a lot of them semi-professional struggle, you know, there's there's a lot of injuries surrounding, you know, the fact that it's probably because it's semi-professional, they don't dedicate as much time as a professional athlete would to fitness. And I just want to ask your opinion. Did the AFL give enough warning that they are thinking about this? I think so because uh, maybe not enough warning time, but I think because so many of the players would have been wanting this already, um, I think it's going to be something that, um, regardless of the amount of preparation time for the players, they're going to be they're going to be keen to get uh, get after it no matter what. I think the preparation um, or the lack of probably warning perhaps might just affect the clubs a little bit more uh, in terms of admin um, and getting things organised. But look, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, I think the biggest. Um, the biggest criticism of the women's game uh, from the general public who probably aren't getting on board as much as some people is just the quality. Um, but we've already seen in six years, five seasons, six seasons, five seasons now that it's already just, just grew in um, leaps and bounds. And even at the junior levels, you're seeing so many um, girls starting from that under 10 level, like the boys um, or under eights, whatever your, your competition is doing in Auskick, um and, and coming up and, getting that full development and pathway program. Um, and I think that if it becomes um, a bit more professional, 
the standard and quality is just only going to improve. Um, it's just logically, that's just how it's going to be. So I'm all for it. But in terms of, yeah, warning time preparation, um, I think every club's going to do their best, no matter what, if it, if it gets approved or gets, uh, gets signed off on, because um, it's, it's only going to be for the best in the end, that's for sure. Eli, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, wish you all the best and wish you all the best for Saturday, mate. Pleasure to have you on as always. Thank you very much, Casper. Great to be here. Great to be back. And the footy is back and I'm bloody keen for it. Oh, mate, so excited for big, big, big crowds in Melbourne again. I, just, I genuinely can't wait for it. On to next week, dear listener, join me and a co-host. We will review round one of the men's actions, the qualifying final in the women's and preview the prelim finals in the AFLW and preview round two of the AFL men's. It's just the footy bonanza. It's a footy bonanza. So if you love your footy, make sure you join us next week. Until then, adios.